Grandison? Where are you? Right here, Sam. Oh! Well, stop my heart. Grandison, could you possibly be any more creepy? Maybe. Why are we meeting in a barn in the middle of the night? Secrecy, Sam. Secrecy. Secrecy about what? Shh! Well, sunny beaches of South Florida, welcome to the internationally loved and true storytelling podcast, Family History Drama. What should we learn from family history stories? Are they just fun? Are they meaningful? Are they life-altering? How can I extrapolate lessons of life from my family history and inject value into my personal life and circumstances? There's two key components to a family history story. One, interpretation, and two, application. Did you know that true stories well told can inspire, caution, entertain, and even instruct? If you can make history personal, you can make it actionable. If you animate the ordinary, it will be extraordinary. I am hoping that as you hear and enjoy this immersive audio family history story, that you will feel it as much or more than you hear it. Pull your hat down over your ears and buckle up as I interpretate another unbelievably true adventure on the Family History Drama Podcast. Just a quick recap. My full name is Jesse Pierce Harmon. I was born on August 11th, 1795 in the Vermont Republic. From age 6 to 16, I was raised by a John Gibbs in Lewis, New York. In December of 1810, my mother died. Then in June of 1812, I traveled back to my father's in Castleton, Vermont. And just after my birthday, and of course, with my father's permission, my older brother, Martin, and I joined the 22nd Regiment, Maryland Militia. I was 17 and he was 19. We were in numerous conflicts, including the fiasco of a battle at La Cole Mill where my brother was mortally wounded before we retreated back to Plattsburgh. There was also the infamous siege of Fort Erie. Now, other than those two in particular, uh, where was I in my story? Oh, yes, I was just about to tell you of one of my most impactful and traumatic moments of my life. Well, while serving in the militia and traipsing across the countryside, we had occupied a log cabin and we were finally taking a needed rest between skirmishes. Corporal Harmon? Frank, how to doing? Is the stew ready? I hope so. I'm starving. Are you ready for some stew, Corporal Harmon? Oh yes, thank you. It's good to have a stable shelter out of the weather. I'm not sure who built this log cabin, but it suits us quite nicely. I wonder if we could just stay here. I don't think the general would like that, Private. <laughs> I guess not. You know, we would be snuffed out like fish in a barrel 
if any redcoats ever discovered us in here. You worry too much, Private. No one's going to know what's us in here. Private, how's the outhouse? Uh, it's drafty, but functional. That'll do. I'll be back. Uh, careful, the second hole pinches. <laughs> I ain't going to be the one putting sticky gum salve on your south side, Corporal. Uh, no matter how much you outrank me. Oh, mother of pearl. This shanty needs more ventilation, if you ask me. Gag a maggot. Now, which hole is the pinchy one? No wonder these boys is asking for more cheese in their rations. Anything to slow the flow and reduce the need to visit this sliver-infested gas chamber. Oh, button it, Flash. Anyone who needs only to lift his tail while in stride shouldn't have much of a say on such matters. Ah, dag blasted you, King George III. I think I got some old timber growth slivers in my nether regions. What's going on, old boy? What do you hear? Oh, no! <laughs> Shh, men! Quiet! You hear that? Bloody Americans. That'll do. Move on, men. Forsaken Brits, and indeed shot us like fish in a barrel. <coughs> At least one cannonball had come directly into the room where we were eating, and exploded with such a violent force that bodies of men were dismembered. Arms, legs, and heads went flying around the room. <coughs> I was afraid I might die. Then I thought I was dead. Then I was worried I wouldn't die. My ears were ringing. My head was spinning. My heart was racing. I was in shock at yet being alive. Why was I alive? Why me, God? In the early spring of 1815, we crossed the Niagara River and marched to Loch Ness Harbor by way of Black Rock.
where I remained till the 28th of May, 1850, when I was discharged from the Army at the ripe old age of 19. On the 24th, I started for Sangerfield, Oneida County, New York, and remained there about one year. Well, from there, I kind of bounded around as a single man would. Well, first to Georgetown, Casanova County, New York, well, then to Walcott, Seneca County, New York, and then on to Springfield, Erie County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> now, Springerfield is a place where the trajectory of my life would change forever. Ma'am? Good afternoon, sir. Do I have scarlet fever? Or, or is it you who's making me delirious? <laughs> well, hog tie that one and make her a forever missus. I believe I am in love with Pennsylvania. And now, what was it I came in here for? Oh, yes. Can I get a pound of beans and some salt pork? Oh, she dropped her glove. Well, you know what that means, young man. Uh, she's going to have cold hands? No. Uh, it's not safe for her to carry the eggs into the house. <laughs> no, sir. It means she is inviting you to introduce yourself to her. It, it does? Really? Well, if that ain't the least subtle coquetry I've ever known. Well, don't be dawdling and keeping her waiting, son. Get on out of here before I chase her down myself. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you. A uh, Good day. Excuse me. Pardon me, miss. Oh, how do you do that? Uh, you dropped your glove, ma'am. Uh, did you mean to? I did. Thank you, kind sir. I hope it wasn't a bother. A name's Jesse Harmon. How do you do? I am good, Jesse. My name is Anna Barnes. Uh, I am new into town here, ma'am, and well, may I call on you, Miss Anna? Yes, please do. Uh, wonderful. My folks live just down the lane there. Uh, thank you, Anna. A good afternoon to you. I became acquainted with Anna Barnes, daughter of Abijah Barnes and Abby Bradford. On the 29th of April, 1819, I was married to Miss Anna. On December following, we removed a few miles south to Coneyot Township, Erie County, Pennsylvania. Just a year and a month after we were married, in May of 1820, our first baby was born. A boy we named Appleton Milo Harmon. In April of 1824, a beautiful little girl we named Sophronia Melinda Harmon was born into our family. 
1827, our second boy was born, Amos Washington Harmon. As an early 13th year anniversary present, a third baby boy was born on the 5th of April, 1832. We named him Ansel Pierce Harmon. That's some good work, son. You're becoming quite the professional dairyman, Mr. Appleton Milo. L looks like we got company. Good afternoon, sir. What can we do you for? Could I bother you for some water to cool my drought? Well, no. I mean, it wouldn't be a bother. And we can do a might bit more than that. Uh, please come over to the house and sit under the porch. What might you be doing in these parts of Pennsylvania? Uh, sharing the living water. Did your vessel spring a leak before you arrived here? Or have you just drunk all your own product? <laughs> well, the thirst it quenches is a tad more figurative than your kindness gesture, my good man. I, I bring the good news of Jesus Christ. You know his church has been restored to the earth. Has it now? Well, yeah. I wouldn't have walked all this way to tell you if it wasn't. You better have a more convincing angle than Preacher Jones. Uh, he says I am going to burn in hell if and I don't see it his way. Well, that's kind of convincing. <laughs> I know God has called a prophet, just like he always has. Angels have visited the earth. New scripture has come forth and Zion is being prepared for the second coming. Well, Mr. Hyde. Orson Hyde. Well, Mr. Hyde, I am Jesse Harmon. Religion is quite a competitive endeavor these days. Seems like the whole world is looking for salvation. There's plenty of preachers willing to offer it to you. If you can sign their attendance rolls and put some money in their offering plate. And you have to agree with all the ways they read things. They got good folks racing to and from this church and that church. Sit there, in the shade. And let me draw from the barrel for you, sir. Here you go, Mr. Hyde. My, you was thirsty. Uh, much obliged. You have saved my part soul. Well, how's it going for you? What's that? The living water business. Oh. I should think by 1833 we would have congealed into a more united front around this Jesus and his living water. Uh, honestly, Mr. Harmon, there are moments when heaven just opens up and angels seem to sing praises to the message I share. Oh, really? Well, what about the other moments? Oh, well, I might as well be bottling the water, Mr. Harmon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be quite the day, Mr. Yeah. Hyde. Bottled water. <laughs> I'm sure that kind of lunacy will immediately precede the end of the world. Bottled water. Certainly, Mr. Hyde, you will stay for supper. I will? I mean, yeah. I, I would be most grateful. Thank you. Darling. Anna, we have a visitor for dinner. Mr. Hyde, this is my wife and the wonderful mother of our children. 
Miss Anna Harmon. Good afternoon, sir. Mr. Hyde is selling water and front row seats to the end of the world. <laughs> Howdy, ma'am. Mr. Hyde became a regular at our home, and that of my brothers Alpheus and his young bride, Huldavon. They lived just a short distance away in this region of Pennsylvania, known as Elk Creek. My wife, Anna Barnes, who is deeply spiritual, she was drawn to Mr. Hyde's message and became moved in a most transforming way. Anna is the most amazing woman I have ever known. Well, of course, that's why I married her. She is kind and loving and the most wonderful mother a child could ever wish for. How is little Ansel doing tonight? I can't believe he's already one year old. Where does the time go? That boy will soon be running around the house. I'm curious what's on your mind tonight, Mrs. Harmon. I want to be baptized. Oh? Into the church Mr. Pratt preaches to us about. Well, it's not any secret that you have been sincerely moved by the message that Brother Hyde has brought into our home. I know you want to be baptized into the church he preaches to us about. Well, Anna, while I myself am not yet ready to make that commitment, I fully support your desire. You are an amazing woman. You're a kind and loving wife and a wonderful mother. You are very sweet and gentle and strongly spiritual. I love you. And I am so honored to watch how your soul evolves with the promptings of heaven. I just, well, I just hope you don't outgrow me, Mrs. Harmon. I will always be with you. Always. Anna Barnes Harmon, having been commissioned of Jesus Christ, on the 29th of May, 1833, my sweet wife Anna received baptism by Orson Hyde. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There were many in our northwestern corner of Pennsylvania who gravitated to the message and joined themselves with the cause. In them days, we worked the land, raised our families, and continued to serve and protect our country. In August of 1828, I was elected second lieutenant of the Lexington Light Infantry attached to the 1st Battalion of Erie County Volunteers of Pennsylvania. 
On the seventh day of April, 1832, I was elected first lieutenant. And then on the second day of March, 1834, I was elected captain. And there I served until April of 1837. At that same time of year in 1837, a financial crisis rolled across the countryside. Some said it was speculative lending practices, the decline in cotton prices, and a collapsing land bubble. Others attributed international specie flows and restrictive lending policies in Britain. Whether domestic or foreign, or both, the Panic of 1837 took its toll on westward expansion, unemployment, and abounding pessimism. In the following months, we removed 20 miles northwest to Coniat, Ashtabula County, Ohio. A short time later, in early 1838, we moved from thence 51 miles east along the shores of Lake Erie to the predominantly religious community of Kirtland, Ohio. In the year 1837, the year previous to our arrival, numerous banks and institutions, including the Kirtland Safety Society, a financial institution established by religious leaders, including a Joe Smith, well, they had all collapsed. The Kirtland Institution's demise was a result of some individual acts of targeted vengeance toward Joseph and his religion, internal embezzlement, and certainly exacerbated by the national financial crisis caused by the Panic of 1837. Grandison, where are you? Right here, Sam. Oh, well, stop my heart. Grandison, could you possibly be any more creepy? Maybe. Why are we meeting in a barn in the middle of the night? Secrecy, Sam. Secrecy. Secrecy about what? Shh. Anything we can do to rid this region of that damn Joe Smith and his wretched followers must be done. Hard money backed by gold is the only way this country can remain on stable ground. Joe and his followers are pushing soft money with his institution. They are going to sink us economically. If the state isn't going to enforce its own statutes, then we will do it for them. It's our civic duty to bring him and his safety society down in whatever way possible. I have worked too hard on this farm to have it all crushed by an irresponsible economic collapse. Well, Mr. Grandison Newell, I thought you were related to Joe Smith, being married to Elizabeth Smith and all. Related? If you call ninth cousins twice removed related, then John and Elizabeth Garneys are the grandparents I never wanted. Why, I myself am six cousins once removed to that old dog Joe Smith. I'm sure that James and Jane and Olmstead would have been a bit more careful in propagating if they knew a scoundrel like Joe would have come out of the litter. We ain't related any more than you and I are friends. I mean, we as professional acquaintances, but I don't like you one bit. Huh. Well, that was cordial. And direct. <laughs> what is your plan, Grandison? Well, Mr. Samuel Rounds, I have a substantial amount of stock 
in the Curtain and Safety Society. <laughs> but I thought you was against this whole thing. I, I am. I am. With this whole financial crisis thing going on, it's left Mr. Smith in a precarious spot. Their little maneuver of buying the Bank of Monroe in Michigan to legitimize his operation hasn't done anything to help his precarious position. And you know what old Beelzebub himself would say? Never let a crisis go to waste. Uh, I, I know they do not have the funds to honor the withdrawal of my accounts. How could you possibly know that, Grandy? I have my inside sources, Sam. What's this for? And let's just say it's to encourage you to cooperate and do my bidding with the courts. Mm-hmm. I smell what you're stepping in. I'm feeling quite cooperative right now, uh, but I do expect my portion of the fines imposed upon Joe and his cohorts. I know. I know. Tomorrow I am going to attempt to withdraw all my funds and make it as public as possible if and when they refuse me. Well, I'll be buggered. You are going to be the most infamous man in the region, Grandy. Don't call me Grandy! Oh, yes, sir. Only my missus can call me that. And my grandkids. No. The struggles faced by the Kirtland Safety Society can be attributed to multiple factors. Internally, there were shortcomings within the community, including overspending and inadequate leadership. Externally, opposition and prejudice against this new Mormon religion played a significant role in undermining the society. Grandison Newell and his straw man Samuel Rounds, for example, for their own personalized reasons, went to great lengths to undermine the Curtin Safety Society. Additionally, the society's establishment coincided with the broader economic crisis of the Panic of 1837, which led to plummeting land values and crop prices. The legal and political context surrounding banking and currency regulation also posed challenges, as the society's issuance of banknotes clashed with existing laws. These factors combined to contribute to the society's struggles and eventual failure. ready. Ready for what, Joseph? Our five years of safety and refuge have expired. We need to get out of town, Sydney. I got word that the mobs are going to string us up if they don't shoot us first. If we're leaving tonight, I'm going to need to pack more than a sandwich and a canteen of water. When do you want to leave, Joseph? It's 8.15, and after dark, I will get my supplies and be back at 10 p.m. 
bring your bay and cinch her up with a pack saddle. We just need a couple days provisions. I will have arrangements for our families to join us a few miles down the road. As a result of the economic hardships that followed, some investors, including members of the community's predominant church, questioned the leadership of Joseph Smith Jr. His life became increasingly endangered by the dissenters. After repeated severe death threats and concern for mob-applied justice, Joseph and Sidney Rigdon fled Kirtland for far west Missouri on horseback in the cloak of darkness on January 12th, 1838. Not to evade debt, but rather to escape death. My family remained in Kirtland for several months later, until near the close of 1838. You know, out of 850 banks in the United States at that time, 62 failed partially. 343 closed entirely, including the Kirtland Safety Society's anti-bank. The system of state banks throughout the nation received a shock from which it never fully recovered. In a show of honesty and good faith, Oliver Granger was assigned to stay behind and settle the debts. He died in Kirtland in August of 1841. No single person lost more from Kirtland's collapse than Joseph Smith himself. Well, over the river and through the woods. For me, this has been another epic peek into the life of Jesse Pierce Harmon. Don't forget to stay tuned for part three of this fascinating story, interwoven around some of history's most memorable moments. Coming up in Jesse's story, we have the exodus from Kirtland, settling in an Illinois swamp, the assassination of a presidential candidate, mob violence, and Jesse's expulsion from the United States of America. You won't want to miss it. When we look over someone else's life, we are amazed, we are awed, we are emotionally bedazzled at the ordeals they survived and even thrived through. My life was normal for me, as your crazy adventures in life will be for you. A part of your ability to be emotionally bedazzled by the life of another is the capacity to feel them as they might have experienced their circumstances. I want my life to be learned from and appreciated for whatever value you can extract of it. Please don't let the lives of your ancestors be only a name on a family tree or a blip on the screen that fades with each generational reset. I tell you what, there is a profound superpower to be had in making the Dia de los Muertos an everyday occasion. Read your ancestor stories. Share them with your children. Remember me. Feel me. Learn from me.
Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. <laughs> I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye. <laughs>